Hello and a very warm welcome to this edition of the Africa Legal Podcast. I am thrilled today to be joined by two representatives of leading legal technology provider, Legal Interact. These being Raphael Siegel, who is a returning guest to the podcast, which is great to see, who is the CEO and founder of Legal Interact. And we are joined by his colleague, Leah Molazzelli, who is the relatively new head of business development at the organization. And the full uh, corporate biographies of both of our guests are available in the podcast description. So let's dive right into some questions, shall we? I'm going to start with you, Leah. Now, you have a a very interesting background, and I'll let you go into a bit more detail on that. And you do bring a relatively new and different perspective to the Legal Interact team. So a bit of a broad question here, but what to your mind is the central obstacle for greater or at least more effective tech adoption by Africa's legal community. Hello, Thomas. Thank you for the welcome. Um, You know, my biggest thing, look, I've been in the legal industry for 10 years. I was a lawyer in practice, so I understand what it looks like at the end of a legal tech solution. Um, And I've worked, uh, you know, with um, law firms and so forth under the guise of assisting them to transition as they digitize. The biggest thing around tech adoption, to my view and experience, really, first of all, is the infrastructure. In Africa, we still have issues around um, infrastructural capabilities. Uh, Literally, even before, you know, this podcast, there was an issue, (laughs) um, you know, with the Wi-Fi and so forth. So it happens. So that is an issue that we cannot have a conversation about technology as a whole, never mind legal tech. Um without bringing it into consideration. And another aspect, though, is really about the approach that legal tech vendors have when it comes to engaging um, users with their legal tech solutions. Sometimes there's a misalignment in their language. You know, the same way that, um, you know, the public has issues with attorneys uh, and us really not being able to be understood because we're full of legalese, The same can be said about tech providers. And so in my view, all that really needs to champion are a couple of steps. First of all, it's about educating. So whenever you get into a team, understanding their pain point, but also educating them around how that pain can be solved by a particular legal tech solution. Because ultimately, people are resistant to change. And one of the key drivers of change is, you know, if they're in a painful situation and it does become painful for you to continuously be doing low value work, it takes away your time. And so making that effort to educate your client around not only the tech, but the benefit can be of great value. And then secondly, obviously, it's the implementation around um, the legal tech solution. And thirdly, it's about monitoring. More often than not, and we see this all the time, when a new legal solution comes around, there's all the hype about it, um, and then it's just left as is. There's a relationship that needs to be built that you need to come back, go back to your users. Is it working? What's not working? Can we fix it? And another thing that is often forgotten by legal tech vendors is also building according to what to how lawyers work 
because we work a certain way, our workflows are a certain way. And if you are not building according to your market, it's going to become very difficult for them to transition to what they already know. And that is why I enjoy solutions, you know, that often integrate key tools that are being used like Outlook and Word and so forth. I think you, you touch upon some really interesting points there. And first, I'm jump on the one that you just made. That building upon what people are already using is far and away an easier introduction to something which is new. So like you say, things that plug into Outlook or Word or Google Docs, if we're going to be a little bit techy, is, is definitely a easier segue for a, a reticent um uh, demographic to engage with technology and your your point around the hype cycle I think is is definitely a valid one when it comes to legal technology there's the old uh, hype cycle graph with expectation and time I think it starts with the trigger the the peak of inflated expectations into the trough of disillusionment the slope of enlightenment and the plateau of productivity and maybe Af- I think Africa's legal tech journey we're probably right at the start still we're, we're looking at those those triggers of of innovation uh, is that does that resonate with you leah are we still waiting to see the, the the triggers or are we slightly further along that cycle to your mind i think we're slightly a bit further on and by this i mean when you look at the roles that are coming through uh, you look at legal ops. I mean, it may not be in the shape and form of legal ops, but um, it is there. It's just that we don't necessarily make it sit according to traditional um, legal tech roles. I mean, you look even at the South African landscape of legal tech startups that are coming up. <clears throat> there are a number of them. And traditionally, they used to focus more on servicing the public. But now there's a transition towards servicing big law, you know, your corporates, um, your law firms and so forth. So I think we are getting there. Uh, it's going to take some time, but we are on the right track. But I think we're starting it right by dealing with the core issues around things that lawyers face daily, you know, in terms of how to book appointments, how to schedule appointments. Um, I love seeing solutions that say, hey, come to our website, book an appointment here, or file your divorce here. I mean, it just makes sense. And and we mentioned corporate legal there, and my next question is very much focused on this. Uh, Rafi, I think, I think you'll be well-placed to field this one. Now, you and I always keep each other up to date about developments. And I remember a couple of years ago, you know, we started talking about developing specialist uh, in-house legal technology. I mean, in a nutshell, how far along has those those conversations come? Uh, where are we with regard to product development or utilization or or you know access? Tom, thanks for having me. Great to be part of the conversation. Um, so, in terms of in terms of you know looking looking backwards on on what we've been developing, uh, I think we passed we passed the point of talking about you know, developing the product, legal matter managers out in the market. Um, we initially envisaged it to connect the in-house, in-house legal team to um, external counsel. I think we can tick that box. It's been successive, successfully done. Um, the legal ecosystem 
is a collaborative platform that, that all parties can work on. Uh, we're looking forward and, and obviously having Leah join us, um, I think just shows where, where, we, where we, we are starting to, starting to um, take, the, take the focus and that is to educate, educate the market within South Africa. Right now there's a few hundred uh, legal operations jobs whether that's legal project management or legal operations or legal spend. So we're certainly seeing that we're not, we're not at the point of really focusing only on, on product. Um, legal matter manager is out. Contract manager is out. Um, it's all powered by uh, Microsoft Azure. We have built AI engines within to the product set, um, complete collaboration between the products, uh, integration with Outlook and Word. So I think we've come a long way from when you and I first had a conversation, which was, well, what are we going to build? I think the build is done and we're now seeing it being used and the data that was, um, that we really needed to develop insights from is now available and we've layered dashboards on top of it and we're starting to influence and assist and support the legal operation. And Rafi, speaking of data here, I know that you're very much of the mind of continuous improvement based upon data. What's surprising you about how these tools are being utilized? Because if there's one thing we know about technology, assumptions are usually proved very, very wrong on just how these products are going to function in the wild, as it were. So now that we've got in-house lawyers using these tools every day, what surprised you the most, if anything? So, so I think what has surprised us is that for the ecosystem to work, for the legal ecosystem to work, you need to have all the role players involved. Um, so depending what kind of work you do, if you're doing, and in, in environments we've been working in, if you're doing a um, collections or an arrears uh, matter type, then if you only get the, the file once it's... Um, past due and you've and you've kind of got an internal process within the organization that's outside of the legal system you always starting blind and so you're on your back foot and what we're starting to see is that is that the contributors and the collaborators scale far beyond just the legal team on both sides um, in business working with the legal team and external counsel working with the legal team and in different types of, of areas of work, uh, we're seeing we're seeing different requirements, and that's and that's been fascinating. And we're talking about real stakeholder engagement here. It's making sure that all the right the, the technology isn't solving um, problems in silos. It's actually aware of the amount of different moving parts, individuals, departments, and so on that might be involved. And and look, this this takes us on to another question that I wanted uh, Leah to field, and it's it's about change management. And and this was a key theme across both the recent legal innovation and tech fest and some online courses that Africa Legal has released uh, with our partner, Liquid Labs. And it's a key part of ensuring the proper adoption of technology in both law firms and legal departments. So with that change management theme in mind, who do you think ultimate responsibility sits with when it comes to selecting and more importantly, embedding technology? I mean, in a nutshell, Whose responsibility is it to lead the charge? 
you know, in legal departments, the most obvious question would be, I mean, the most obvious answer would be, um, you know, general counsel because, you know, they face the challenges, they deal with the work. But in truth, all the key stakeholders within a department and even in the business itself are going to make use of that legal tech solution in one form or another. So there's a greater burden on the organization itself to understand the exact pain points of people who are going to be intersecting with the solution so that it actually solves the problem. Because ultimately, if they don't see the benefit, if they have been doing something in Excel for eons and you decide to come with a solution that you are pushing, that you think is better, and you are unable to actually speak to their particular pain point, then it, it makes no sense. Then we need to have a conversation around, oh, okay, really go back to on the ground and understand what are the core challenges that people are facing. Because ultimately, the solution itself actually will solve that problem if it is clearly understood. So do you feel like a key part of your role then is, is you know, the word customer advocate has been banded around and usually it meant a way to echo the customer's voice throughout a business. But it sounds like here, especially because the, the, the budget that a GC would rely upon to secure the funding for a legal technology uh, a solution would sit weirdly outside of their own hands. Are you finding that you're having to almost advocate for problem solving that the GC requires into their own businesses, i.e. before a sale is even made? Do you think there's a space for a provider such as yourself to go, you know, hand in hand with the GC, with the business stakeholders and say, okay, Mr. Business, this is your GC, you know them well. These are the problems that they're facing on a daily basis. This is a potential solution do you understand this better? Do you find that that's actually a reality? Or are GCs somewhat so downtrodden that they're, they're not even wanting to go into to bat and look at different solutions? I, I'm interested in your take on that. You know, the formal approach makes much better sense, purely, you know, from a business perspective. And in fact, I think it was a couple of weeks back where I actually delved into the topic of understanding the ROI on, you know, legal tech investment. And in it, one of the key arguments I was making is that, yes, it solves, you know, uh, problems that GCs face, but ultimately it speaks to the business. For example, when we talk about contract management or or document automation um, solutions within the business, um, if a GC is able to process and review a document and a contract, at quicker turns, especially if the volume is high, that will in turn improve the running of the business because ultimately everything needs to go to legal, you know? Um, And so if you can show that to other key stakeholders in the business to say, hey, in order for you to actually run the business better, they need to be functioning more efficiently, then there's a case to be made to actually show that this is not just a nice-to-have solution. This will actually solve your business problems. Rafi, anything to add on to that? 
I think, you know, from my experience, what I've seen is is that um, the business actually wants to walk the GC and the legal team towards their customers. They want they want that middle ground sorted. And what we're starting to see is our systems are being um, used and, and they're extending them as a front door into into legal and compliance. Um, they want the they want the customer's customer. They want the external user to be able to um, access the information they need uh, in an in an easy and efficient and an efficient and efficient manner. I think it's fascinating you say that because it really does flip on its head the old idea of legal technology replacing everyone with robot lawyers. And in fact, what you're saying is that it's actually humanizing the in-house legal function to a greater degree. You know, it's granting the ease of access that uh, the business itself and the business's customers have actually been, been demanding. So instead of being replaced by a robot lawyer, you're actually becoming a more... Uh, accessible and intrinsic part of the business. So again, another tech myth that we can we can whack aside. And um, we were starting to veer towards this um, this question anyway, um, um, uh, Rafi. And it's one of of wins. I mean, I think one of the greatest ways that you have technology permeate a sector is positive word of mouth, i.e., a GC turning to another and saying we don't have that problem anymore because of X. So look, let's end on some real positivity here. What are, what are you seeing when it comes to client wins and utilizing the solutions? Is it, you know, a matter of that GC who's finally been able to shine in the eyes of their CEO through streamlining processes or, or that younger lawyer who's finally seen their managing partner bill their time digitally? <laughs> uh, what, what are some of the wins that have most impressed you, uh, with these new developments, so so certainly we're seeing we're certainly seeing um, GCs leading leading the charge to include other departments in 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 supporting them um, by providing them proper instructions or providing them um, data in certain formats in certain ways that they can respond timelessly and appropriately. The business has forever had service level agreements. The business has forever. Um, has been implementing systems that improve that improve the way they serve their customers, and 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 GCs have the tools, and so do their and so do their team. Their teams have the tools that help them to improve. We've certainly seen they're going cross departments, um, cross business units, building end to end solutions, including legacy data, um, building great great dashboards. Um, and 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 filling gaps that have that have historically been been very hard to 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 solve. I think the pandemic, to some extent, has helped with the digitalization of of the enterprise. And um, as a consequence, everyone everyone has empathy for other people's problems and really wants to and really wants to assist. So we're seeing we're seeing great collaboration um, from. From the legal teams uh, from in-house um, with us, working with us to style solutions, working with us to build products, features to solve their problems, um, and and it, it just seems to be it seems to be ramping up. 
that's the real win-win there. I think, you know, it's it's great when as a business you've created something which sells. You know, that that is a business imperative. But when it sells in a way that encourages those customers to dive in and, and collaborate with you further and say, Rafi, I, I love this, but, you know, could you tweak that? And, you know, you grow together. I mean, not only does that build customer loyalty if we're looking at the bottom line, but it, it's a great way to work. It does genuinely bring a sense of pride that you simply don't get if it's a cold sale. You know, there's the product, enjoy and goodbye. So that's a real positive positive uh, message that I think you, you've got there. Leah, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to ask you to uh, dust off your crystal ball for one closing thought here. Now, let's look just at South African markets rather than the continent, because I think that would be too much. What percentage of in-house legal departments are going to have access to specialist legal tech five years from now? The way that I see it and the way that the world um, well, our world continues to evolve. I see it at above 60%, considering the multinational um, approach and the type of businesses, particularly, um, especially when you look into the Africa Free Trade Agreement also being in place and more intra-continental transactions being encouraged. Um, that makes sense to me. I think you're on the money. I was I was thinking that it would be relatively ambitious, but with a sprinkling of conservatism. And I think we we I would very much agree with that sixty percent figure. But some work to do. Well, listen, I can't believe that does bring us to time. Uh, that has been a very very productive and engaging conversation. So thank you, Leah, and thank you, Rafi, for joining me here today. Pleasure, thank Tom. You thank you for having you. us. Thank you. A pleasure also. And as always, a very big thank you to all of our listeners. If you are new to the Africa Legal podcast, be sure to peruse our entire back catalogue, which is available on all good podcast uh, services, including SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And as always, visit us at africalegal.com for all the news, views, and insights that improve your life as a modern African legal practitioner. So without further ado, this has been Raphael, Leah and Tom signing off for the Africa Legal Podcast. <laughs>